This is the Simi Sarah Show On Demand. Subscribe now on iTunes. Listen to the show each weekday 10 to 2 on 980 CKNW and through the Radio Player app. Well, you've probably seen the pictures by now. You've heard about it. But now we're going to talk in detail about what is being planned for the end of the Burrard Street Bridge on the other side of downtown Vancouver. There's an indigenous-led urban development project that is set to go up there. We're talking 6,000 units, 11 towers, and it's all being developed by Squamish Nation. That is Squamish Nation land. They're going to move forward with this. We wanted to talk more about this project, find out how quickly this is all going to happen. Joining us now is Squamish Nation Councillor Haseelam to talk about this. Thank you so much for being here. Absolutely. Thank you. Okay, so tell me a bit about the project, first of all. Sure. Um, So the land is about 11 acres. The Broad Street Bridge actually trespasses over the land. The land underneath is still owned by the nation and so it's 11 acres it's located on an empty vacant lot it's generally a parking lot most of the time Um, but we're proposing a real estate development that is largely rental um, to provide so much needed rental for the city Um, and as you mentioned 6,000 units 11 towers um, that's an increase of some of the earlier conversations that we had during the preliminary design but based off of our feedback from our, our people, our Squamish members, um, that they really want to see that if we're going to use our assets like land for economic development, that we really need to push um, how much we're able to create the value off that land. Right. And plus, are you talking about also creating long-term revenue as well, something that continues to bring money in, so you're not just going to sell it? Yeah, I think that um, for somebody like an Indigenous community where we're looking at providing opportunities for people who aren't even here yet, like our future generations, uh, rental provides a long-term sustainable revenue stream for us, um, and that makes much more sense than, say, just building a bunch of strata condos and selling them all off. Um, but it's also dictated a lot, largely by what the market is. We have a, a 1% vacancy rate in lots of Vancouver. Most of Vancouver, some places, it's even below that. And it's really hard for people to get into some secure tenured uh, housing, and we think rental is going to be much needed in the city. Where does the inspiration come for this? There's lots of different areas, I guess, that you could look at, places like False Creek. and so. But is there an idea behind what Squamish Nation wants this to look like and be like for people who live there? Yeah, we actually, we've, we're proposing some really interesting urban design concepts that we're able to do because the Squamish Nation is the government in control and not the city of Vancouver. And so typically in Vancouver, you have this kind of podium and tower structure that you see everywhere. And... What we're proposing instead is that it's actually we're going to forego the podiums and we're actually just going to build these towers that kind of come in from the sky and land on the ground, which then allows us to activate the ground space. So out of the 11 acres, almost 80 percent of it is going to stay as um, public publicly accessible park space and community amenity space. And that's really to create a sense of community there. When people are coming out of their rental uh, apartments, they come into the ground level and there's some shops and some retail, but there's also park space so that now it's activated in a way that it's lively, it's fun, it's interesting, there's things happening. Maybe there's events in the summertime. Now we have a part of the city. When we think about really interesting parts of the city, this is going to be a place that people will want to go because we've actually built it in a way that makes it interesting and exciting to be. So what won't there be? If you're doing things differently, what do you envision not being there? Um, I guess 
some of it is around one of the areas that's actually really fascinating for us is and it's been reported on the media is that we are looking at because we don't have any requirements about mandatory minimum parking um, we've only included 10 percent parking on the 6,000 units um, which might seem uh, which will be an interesting conversation for people but for us when we look at rental and we look at the future of the city and we look at the fact that we're in a climate emergency we need to start building our buildings differently and we we think that the future of our city buildings is not going to be investing in these big parkades that are going to sit empty in 40 years because most people are leaving their cars and taking transit or biking or walking so let's build for the future of where we're going but also let's create a market that all the people who either don't have cars right now or are willing to give up their cars and live downtown you know people in new west who say i'll give up my car if i can live 10 minutes from downtown because that's part of the lifestyle i want these are the type of developments that we're going to offer um, which means that we are able to both build more units because we're not having to build the parking it also means that the cost for the units goes down significantly it costs 80 to hundred twenty thousand dollars per parking stall the deeper you go so we're actually able to take cars off of the road because now we're offering a particular type of housing product that is going to attract certain people to live in it so how what do you envision in terms of affordability when it comes to these rents? Because we know that even with the city of Vancouver, what they consider affordable, a lot of people still wouldn't consider affordable. No, and it's interesting. Like, So the, the, the 2016 uh, housing census, the gross uh, family median income in, in that part of Vancouver is $106,000. And so when we're talking about affordable rental, um, the vast majority of the rental is going to be much more affordable than any of the houses that are currently there um, or, or the most of the, the community that currently lives there. But we're also talking about some of the financing options with CMHC, which has received a lot of government funding to help incentivize rental development, but also to incorporate some affordability numbers into the development. So we're definitely talking about that. As a part of our commitment to our members, we're also talking about uh, allocating a certain amount of units to Squamish members so that we can actually bring a community of people back to Kitsilano, that there will be a Squamish community in the city again. Uh, and that's a huge, not just the, the, the revenue stream, but actually just having a Squamish community back in Kitsilano is a huge opportunity of pride and connection that I think we're really excited about. So how many how many units would that be then? Um, that's largely going to depend on where we land on how many units will be rental and how many might be strata leasehold because right. that's going to dictate it by the market as well as financing that we obtain. But we are talking about a few hundred units that will likely be allocated for Squamish members at below market or subsidized uh, rates. A few hundred out of 6,000. Yeah. Okay, so even the ones, so not everything is going to be rental. As you said, there will be a small number of some strata units, but again, those yeah. won't be freehold, those will be leasehold. Yeah. Is that a 99 year lease? You yeah. envision that? Yeah. It'll be similar to a lot of products that you see, or a lot of housing options that you see, like at UBC and other places. Okay. And so there's still a negotiation that you have to do with the city of Vancouver in terms of services, but the city says, hey, they are in support of this. Mayor Kennedy Stewart has said that. Do you envision any issues with any of this? Well, I think reasonably the, the city is going to be asking questions and I think residents are reasonably asking like, okay, how's, you know, it's, it's a lot of people. It's a, a lot of uh, development. Right. How is it going to pay for not just as basic services like uh, hydro and, and sewage and stuff like that, but you get into things like garbage, policing, yeah. libraries, community space, civic center, whatever, all of that. 
Um, the way it works is that, and, and the city of Vancouver already has this, um, and municipalities do this already, they do service agreements with First Nations. So the nation would then buy those services from the city of Vancouver for the residents. Right. And we would incorporate the cost, not just of the sewage and the water, but all these other services as well. So then we're getting charged a bill every year by the city of Vancouver to provide those services for our residents on our lands. But then we're also, the First Nations have the authority to tax our own residents, no matter who it is, on our reserve lands at property tax levels that are comparable to the city of Vancouver. Right. So we collect property taxes as a nation. Then we pay a service to the city of Vancouver. And so really, all of the people that would be living in this would, in, a, in essence, be paying property taxes just like any other resident of Vancouver. It's just transferring through us to the city of Vancouver and paying for those services. So we'll engage in a conversation with Vancouver to negotiate where we land on terms of the exact amount. That's largely going to depend on how many units and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the city of Vancouver is very encouraged by what we're proposing, largely because they've made their own commitments around how much rental they want to provide for the city. They've made their own commitments about how much housing they want to build in the city for, for uh, at affordable rates. Um, but also they've made lots of commitments around reconciliation and supporting Indigenous people. And so I think that the city over the last 10 years has built a very strong relationship with us and we're uh, heartened by the comments that we've been seeing so far. So what is the timeline like for this? How quickly is this going to move forward? We are going to a referendum with Squamish Nation members on December 10th to seek their approval on the land use and the structure of the business partnership. Um, that's our first step. Once we get through that, or if we get through that and our members support us moving in this direction, we'll be doing meetings with members throughout just November on that. Um, then we'll continue on with the service agreement negotiations and the business ter- um, negotiations with the partner. And then our hope is to, our current timeline is to begin construction sometime in early 2021 with all of the buildings uh, uh, built by 2026. Ooh, that's fast. It's very fast. That is very fast. Will there be any opportunities for the public to see more of this vision and see what is entailed here or even to offer any kind of feedback? Absolutely. I think our our approach is that we want to engage the public meaningfully and we want to do it in good faith and that uh, our first step is to go to our members because we've got to get that approval. Yeah. But once we get through that, we do want to design an engagement process where we'll go to the public and actually engage in that conversation around feedback and input and showing the full concepts and showing the trade-offs, right? Showing what we're giving back to the city um, by doing this. And I think we want to engage in that in good faith and and entertain that whole conversation because I think there's a lot of people that are excited about this for a variety of reasons. There's lots of people might have concerns because they don't know all the information yet. And I think we want to do a full disclosure. We want to do that full conversation. We want to invite that. And I think that we can be leaders in mirroring existing um, practices that the city does around engagement on real estate projects, but we might also add to it. You know, there's a lot of historical context in this site. Uh, Squamish people were living there up until 1913, and then they were forcibly removed by the provincial and federal governments at the request of the city of Vancouver and the Parks Board. And so our people were evicted from their homes illegally by the government because they didn't want uh, Indigenous people living in the city at the time. So when we talk about the context of us coming home and us developing our lands, there's a huge amount of storytelling to happen, a lot of information to share. And I think we want to engage in all of that and really celebrate the opportunity to do this in a different way. I look forward to talking more about it. Thank you so much for joining us today. For sure, thank you. That is Haselem, Squamish Nation Councillor, talking about the big new development that's going to be happening on Squamish Nation land just on the other side of the Broad Street Bridge.